I'm really excited to have a discussion about grace, which is something that our pastoral staff has been talking about a little bit. And uh, we're going to be starting a series about this, which I'll tell you more about before we're done this morning. But I think it's especially appropriate for Easter Sunday. I wonder how many of us in uh, the virtual service today, I'm seeing uh, lots of names that I recognize, some names I don't recognize as I stroll our, our Zoom uh, list of names here and then looking at who's watching with us on Facebook. I wonder how many of you would say that you uh, struggle with having grace for yourself uh, like I do. Uh, I wonder how many of us would say that we might struggle with perfectionism or that we might struggle with self-punishment. Uh, in my experience, um, this is a lot of us, like if not all of us, um, I sometimes so... I definitely struggle with uh, a, like a self-punishment tendency. I will sometimes literally withhold good things from myself uh, because I'm feeling like, uh, you know, that's just what I deserve. So like I, uh, I will, I'll turn down, I've turned down the company of a good friend who knew that I was feeling down just because like I was feeling rotten and I felt like I deserved that. I have refused a date night with my wife when she was willing to plan it simply because, you know, I hadn't been down in the dumps long enough. Or I have refused dishes, uh, I've refused help with the dishes because this is my penance. I wonder if anyone uh, is, uh, has done that. I refused help from the other people in this room, uh, help to do dishes because it was my penance. Um, and so, yeah, these are, all, uh, these are all things that I do. I, I just like, if I'm feeling uh, like I didn't meet my standards and my standards are very high for myself or I'm feeling rotten about something that I did or didn't do, I want to punish myself. And I wonder if... Anybody else, uh, Jen, if I can bring you in here, um, I, and I'd be curious to hear anybody else, like if you're willing to share something that's either mildly funny or rather serious about ways that you have a tendency toward perfectionism or self-punishment, you can share those in the chat or in the comments section right now. Uh, Jen, do you, uh, does anything come to mind for you about this? Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. I so relate. Um, I am like the queen of just like withholding things for myself or just like that voice that is always telling me you're not good enough you're not good enough uh, and this is kind of a dark one I wanted to have a funny one but this just feels really real I mean Vince like you asked me to be part of Easter Sunday and I was like ah, there's this little voice that was like you're not a good enough Christian you're mm. not you haven't been like doing the Christian things enough you know like studying your bible enough and there was a little part of me that's like uh, you know, there's that little voice that in there all the time, like you're not good enough. So that's a, kind of a dark one. <laughs> 100%. I mean, I, I think dark ones are part of the game here. This is, uh, this, this, this gets in and very like, uh, like deep levels of identity for us when we think about these sorts of things. It is not just superficial things. When I think about like not meeting my values, I'm thinking about like being a person who's helpful, being a person who's a good friend, being a person who's a good husband, being a person who is all of those things that like I want to tell the story about who I am. And when I don't meet those things, I do, I feel rotten. And so it can, it can get attached to things like Am I, am, am I like good enough in like an existential way? Am I good enough to God? And we'll be talking about that before we're done here. So yeah, I'd be curious to hear just as we go forward, if you're willing to share in the chat, like how does this play out for you? And it could start with those small things like refusing help with the dishes, but does it get down to bigger things? Like, you know what? I don't actually deserve to say X, Y, or Z because I'm not good enough. Well, this is important to bring up, I think, 
in particular around Easter Sunday and Good Friday, the weekend that we are on, I think it's actually really important to bring up the conventional American religious approach to perfectionism, which seems so epidemic in our culture. The traditional or conventional American religious response, I think, is actually to agree with our perfectionism. That's really unfortunate. I wonder if you feel this too. It's, it's deeply tied to what we mark the weekend of Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the death and resurrection of Jesus. When that is talked about in most religious settings in America, what were communicated to us is, yes, we actually should feel bad. We should feel a need to punish ourselves because we deserve punishment from God. This is often the message that is maybe not explicitly said to us, but implicitly communicated to us when we think about Good Friday and Easter Sunday. The logic is that we deserve punishment and God wants to punish us, but because Jesus died for our sins on the cross, there's a phrase that we've heard before, to, it satisfied God's desire to punish us. And so because somebody was punished, God no longer wants to punish us. And this is called forgiveness. It's called grace, this buzzword that we want to lean into here at church over the next number of weeks. Even though, I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but that's not actually grace. Grace, by definition, is something that is given freely, something that doesn't require compensation, it doesn't require payback. It doesn't require anything like that. But this, in this case, the way that we often hear Jesus's death and resurrection talked about it, we, we, we hear that it's some sort of compensation to a God who is demanding punishment. And I just think that that confuses a lot of us. Here's the big problem with this, is that I think it paints, see, Ginny doesn't like it either. She's very upset by, by this. And I think what it does is it paints a split personality picture of God. We have anybody who wants to, who wants to be spiritually healthy, anybody who wants to just pursue faith in God, if you are being delivered a split personality picture of God, it's going to get, it's going to cause you angst because you, you're going to be like, which God am I going to get? Am I going to get the loving God, Jesus, or am I going to get the angry God who wants to punish me? and would do so if Jesus didn't hold this God back. That causes anxiety. And I think that anxiety comes to a head on the weekend of Good Friday and Easter Sunday when supposedly that's what we're leaning to. Now, a God who has overcome death and suffering, like that being the message of Easter, that's wonderful, right? Like that is absolutely worth celebrating. Jesus was dead, but now is risen and still alive today. And we can experience this God by spirit. We cannot see this God, but we can experience it through prayer. Incredible. That is so worth celebrating. We absolutely should be talking about this all the time. But that celebration feels a lot less wonderful if in the backs of our heads, we have this hankering, wondering that just will not relent. But what if when I pray, I get the punishing God? What if I get that one? And that makes us afraid. And it doesn't feel awesome. It feels scary. It feels violent. And we will not come to rest if that wondering is in the back of our heads. Unfortunately, I think the split personality God fits pretty well in how perfectionistic our culture is. We are, uh, for example, the most incarcerated country in the history of the world. 
we actually really feel comfortable with being punitive, with saying something bad was done and therefore you deserve to be punished. We are very comfortable with that as a society. And that means that this picture it, of God, it actually tends to just be defended in religious settings. If you actually hear about a split personality God and that causes you angst and you're asking questions about that, what you tend to get is something like, well, you're just not seeing the mystery in it. It's actually, it is a loving God. And the fact that you can't follow just means that you're not ready to see it yet. And I don't know about you, but that does not make me feel any better. I wonder if you can think of a time that you've experienced someone to be like a, a person in your life, to be kind one moment, gracious one moment, and then really cruel the next moment or biting or punishing or arbitrary or just like you can't really figure them out. I wonder if you've ever experienced that. What we do around those people is we, we feel cautious. We can't trust them. We instinctively keep our distance and that's wise. And if this is the way that we feel instinctively with God, maybe we can, I don't know, express something that sounds like it makes more sense or sounds like it takes away the tension there. Maybe that's what we think we believe, or maybe that's what we're, we're able to express we believe because somebody gave us words to say that. But if we instinctively feel that God might have a split personality and one of those personalities is really punishing and angry, I just think we're going to do the wise thing. We're smart people. We're going to be distanced with them. We're going to stay cautious with them. We're not going to open up our whole selves to that God, just like we wouldn't do that to a person who treated us this way. Who can blame us? Who can blame us if we're doing that? So I don't believe in the split personality God. And that's what we want to bring to the fore this morning on Easter Sunday. There is a different picture of God, though, that I do believe in. And this God is all parts loving, no parts punishing. There is no split personality. Again, so much of this starts with how we understand what we are remembering this weekend. Good Friday, the death of Jesus. Easter Sunday, Jesus is risen after that death. It is such a major intersection. Like you either end up going down the wrong street where you end up like with a split personality God, or you can go down the right street where you're actually seeing a consistent God, a God who's all loving and doesn't have two parts and one of them is scary to you. This is such an important intersection. So we wanna talk about this. This is, I'm gonna about to drop, we're gonna put on the screen even, top five theological statement for me, okay? So, you know, get ready. I know that you all are very interested in like, what are the things, what are the top five things that Vince thinks about the most at night? You're about to get one of them. So exciting, I know, but this actually really applies. So here is my top five theological statement for today. Jesus died and was raised, not because God demands punishment or blood, but because humanity demands punishment or blood. We'll say it one more time. Jesus died and was raised not because God demands punishment and blood, but because humanity demands punishment and blood. Maybe you've noticed us say this before. Maybe, maybe you've heard us mention it in a message or you hear it in communion when we introduce the, the, the time that we remember the Lord's Supper. We say something like this every week. Maybe you've seen it in a, a footnote when we sing certain worship songs with certain worship lyrics. We say this a lot because we think it's extremely important. And we think that this is one of those places where the rubber meets the road in faith. If you wanna have an alive spiritual life, if you wanna feel connected with God, 
if you want a healthy spirituality, I cannot stress how important it is that you feel instinctively confident that God isn't out for your blood. God isn't out for your punishment. And not just that you say it or believe it, but that you instinctively feel that. I cannot stress how important that matter is. The whole someone's got to blame game, the whole someone's got to be punished, that whole thing is a human game. That is not a God game. When we see pictures of or, or, or conceptions of God demanding blood or demanding punishment, even if where we see those things is in the Bible, that is humanity projecting that onto God. That is not the way God is. To use the religious language, that is us making God in our own image. One of the oldest sins in the book. You know, we human beings, we demand punishment all the time. We demand blood all the time, literally and figuratively. When we're hurt, we want to shift the blame. When we feel ashamed or upset, we want to point to somebody else. We want to give ourselves some feeling of control, some feeling to like make sense of the unfairness. And when you mix that demand for punishment with power societally, when you mix it with privilege societally, with hatred, with weapons, that's called evil. That's how we get injustice. That's how we get systemic racism. That's how we get scapegoating that's excused because it's, it's, it's a good thing. This person needs to be excommunicated. That's how we get holocausts, genocides, prejudice becomes justified. And in response to such evil, in response to all this that we do so often to each other, God is not unfeeling. God is not distant. God is not aloof. Especially to the victims whose very victimness then threatens them because they have to feel like, how do I not turn around and do the same thing? God is not cold and apart from that anguish and that pain. God, the loving God, says, okay, there's a demand for blood. You can take my blood. God says, you need a victim? I'll be the victim so that someone else isn't victimized. And Jesus lives out God's self-sacrificial love being executed on a cross to protect others. In the Gospel of John, Jesus says, there is no greater love than to lay one's life down for one's friends. And he does that. That's what we marked on Good Friday. Jesus willingly become a victim, human violence for those he calls friends so that they are not victimized. And today, Easter Sunday, we mark the resurrection of this God. We mark the fact that all of that demand for punishment pales in power to self-sacrificial love, to what we saw Jesus do. The whole rotten system of demanding that someone is to blame, someone's got to be, someone's got to be like compensated for all this terribleness. All of that is just a rotten system and it's exposed for the rotten system it is. When we sing about Jesus 
washing away our sin on Easter, freeing us from sin. This is what we are holding in mind. We're not, th- we're not saying, thank you, God, for punishing Jesus instead of me. We are saying, thank you, God, for washing away this sin of demanding punishment and blame. Thank you for showing us a different way, for washing away that broken, broken thing that we so instinctively resort to. And that's powerful to me. That's really powerful to me. And doesn't that just leave like our American preoccupations with perfectionism and self-punishment just feeling unimportant by comparison? Doesn't it just like let us set those things aside? This is Jesus' death and resurrection. This is about justice. This is about protection. This is about solidarity with those who are in trouble or in suffering or in in facing injustice. This is about healthily working through our pain so that we don't take out that pain on the next person. Doesn't this just leave those just tired, exhausting, anguish building questions of perfectionism, just like we just leave those on the floor. Thank God. Thank God I don't have to think about those things. God above and Jesus are not doing two different things on Good Friday and Easter Sunday. They are doing the same things. We do not have a split personality God, part loving, part punishing. We have an all loving God. And we see that in fullness with what Jesus did on the cross and with the resurrection that we celebrate today on Easter Sunday. So I, I started us this morning talking about not having enough grace for ourselves. How can we have more grace for ourselves? One way I want to suggest is by believing in a God who is all loving and no parts punishing. And that's going to be hard because again, it's pretty, it's pretty like ingrained into us that God is split personality to truly turn ourselves to feel instinctively that God is all loving might take some work, but I'll tell you, there's an idea in spirituality. This is Christian spirituality and beyond that all teachers of religious traditions that actually make us more loving teach. And the the lesson is this, we become what we worship. We become what we worship. If we're going to worship a split personality, God, we're always going to have a layer of perfectionism bogging us down of like, oh man, I've got to pay for my sins. We're always going to have a layer of that. And the, whatever religious message that tells us, oh, it's a mystery. Jesus paid for it, but we're going to be okay. That won't save us because we'll still in the back of our minds feel like, but God kind of wants to kill me. Kind of is demanding that I show some blood. However, If we become what we worship and we are taught to worship a God who is all loving, imagine what happens then. If that's true, eventually we become more gracious to ourselves. Eventually, all we have for ourselves is love, not self-punishment. And the place that goes next is the people to our left and our right. We allow ourselves to have more grace and more love outwards because we're having it more inwards.
if that is what we are becoming, because that's what we are worshiping, man, that is just so, why on earth would we not worship the God who is all loving? It is so much better for us. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I hurt a friend in a very personal way, just a couple of weeks ago. And this friend called me on it and they were absolutely right. I was careless and I felt convicted. And after a couple of hours, I started to feel shamed too because hurting people is not part of the narrative that I tell about myself to the world, right? Like I'm a good guy. That's what I, that's what I try to project out with. I'm a pastor for goodness sake. I shouldn't be hurting people. You'd be helping people who are hurting, but I did hurt this person. And so enter all of my usual self-punishment tendencies. Oh, what am I going to do? Who, who am I going to turn down help for the dishes this time? What am I going to, you know, oh, do, do you want to hang out? Do you want to, do you want to talk? Do you want to do something to take your mind off it? No, I'm going to stew because that's what I do when I'm punishing myself. But here's one thing that I want to make really clear. I didn't for one second feel that God was ashamed of me. This is a really important distinction. I felt shame. 100% I felt shame. I'm sure you've all been in that same place when you don't live up to your values, you don't live up to being the person that you want to be. But I didn't for one second feel that shame coming from God. And that was an incredible gift to my mental health. I did feel God agreeing with my desire to make things right with this friend, right? Yes, absolutely. I should learn from this. I should you know, become more aligned with my values as a result of this. But I never felt that God was agreeing with this idea that I need to be punished. I need to feel it. And if I don't feel it, I have not worked through it enough yet. And so as a result, I moved remarkably quickly through that shame. Yes, I felt ashamed for a couple of days. That's what happens. That is totally natural when we're in a place like that. Everyone, everyone who's ever felt that would, would say, yep, 100%, that's totally natural. But because it wasn't being exacerbated by a sense that the God of the universe agrees and is also trying to get distance from me because he's disgusted with me or that God is trying to punish me because that God feels so ashamed of me, because it wasn't exacerbated by that, after a little while, shame stay was up and it had to go. And I feel no lingering splinters about oh man, is this keeping me up at night? Do I, when I wake up in the middle of the night because I can't sleep, do I come back to it? Is my mind racing back to that thing that I did because I still haven't fessed up enough or been punished enough to feel okay with it? No, none of that. I moved through remarkably quickly because my conception of God at this point, what I've been taught to worship is an all loving God, not a God that is part loving, but also part needs me to be punished. So I want you to imagine yourself having more grace for yourself instinctively. You don't have to work yourself up for it. Just grace is the thing that first comes to your mind, not punishment. Yes, we will feel down. We will feel, ah, I regret. Oh, I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I didn't do X, Y, or Z, or I wish I did do X, Y, or Z. We will feel that. But what if instinctively afterwards, we didn't feel God was a 
trying to get distance from us. We felt resources. We felt love. We felt like we could move past. We felt grace for ourselves. Imagine trusting and feeling confident in that God instinctively with literally no anxiety that, there, that you might get the other personality, the punishing one. Imagine working through all of these with less impact on your sense of self. The experience of going through shame doesn't add insult to injury. Imagine that. Imagine your life less cluttered by perfectionism so that you can get onto the things that this weekend of Good Friday and Easter Sunday actually point us toward. Justice, protection of the vulnerable, giving up our power and privilege that we have to protect and sacrifice for the sake of others who don't. God did that. That is what we see Jesus do. And anytime that we do that with the power and privilege we have to protect others with less than us, we are doing the work of God. Imagine our life less cluttered by all the garbage that stops us from getting on with life and doing those most important things. That is the promise of Easter Sunday for us. So Jenna, I wanted to invite you in one last time as I close, uh, because if we are somebody, if, if you here listening are, are somebody here who struggles with having grace for yourself, like you're probably not going to be freed from that, like in a morning, right? Like even Easter. Oh man, it was an Easter message. It had special power to it, but we're that's that like that's not realistic, right? Like this is going to take time. This may be like, I mean, I just think about like how many years and years and years it's taken to really form the picture of God that I feel like I instinctively have now. And so this doesn't happen overnight. Per perfectionism is, 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 is wired into us. Again, it's wired into our culture. It's so deeply ingrained in the way that we do things as a punitive culture that you did bad. And so therefore you have to do this. Our criminal justice system is a mess in this country. All of this comes to bear. And so I wonder like, we probably have a lot of questions. And if you have a lot of questions, like I wonder if you're like hearing me talk about this in, in a religious uh, context and being like, yeah, like, no, God is all loving. There's no parts punishing. I wonder if you have questions like, well, what about this Bible passage? If you've ever been to church before, no doubt you probably have all kinds of Bible passages that have been shown to you before coming to mind. Or what about this experience I had? All kinds of questions. This is a safe space to, to unpack those questions. So if, if you want to use our chat or our comments section right now to drop some questions in, please feel free to. If you want to email us at brownlinechurch at gmail.com, please feel free to. If you'd rather ask like a question in a private setting, that's totally cool too. Jen, what questions do you have like as we go down this path? I mean, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, my husband and I, I'm calling him out. He's right here next to me. Uh, we have these conversations all the time and uh, uh, he always, you know, he came from sort of an evangelical, very like self-punishing um, background, like literally like sort of beating your chest and, and uh, punishing yourself. And uh, he's always skeptical with this sort of thing. He'll say like, it can't be that easy. Like what's yeah. the catch, you know? Yeah, what's like, the catch? Yes. Yeah. What, uh, you know, and that's, uh, that's always the discussion we have. It can't be that easy. Um, and uh, I don't know what, how is that? I don't know, maybe this, this idea of like American hard work, how is that fair or something? Like everybody gets this, like, how is that fair? Like, shouldn't people who work harder deserve it, you know? Um, 
yeah, those are some, I'm going to see if anything is in the chat here. Yes. Um, and while you do, I just want to respond to that. Cause I just think that that is, that's exactly the question. What's the catch? We can't believe that this is true, right? Like, no, this should fit with all of the other things that all of the other messages that we get in a consumeristic and capitalist and, and, and American society. Like, no, what's the catch? What are you, what's the, where, when, when is the rug going to be pulled out from under this? It can't be an all loving God. It makes sense that that's part loving, but also part, he kind of wants to punish you. I, I just think that is such an honest question. And that's really important for us. Part of the reason we're asking for questions right now is we're going to be talking about this over the next uh, uh, few weeks. Uh, Haley uh, and Kyle and I are the pastors here. We've been talking about this a lot in our own discussions. And we want to uh, we want to frame the next number of weeks and our messages here and our discussions here on Sundays in the proper way. And so we really need your questions. And that is such a great question. So Jen and Randall, thank you for that question. Uh, Jen, anything else that you can pull out for just from what people are saying? Yeah, Lara had a great question. She's she's asking for um, uh, books and further reading. So I think maybe uh, something for you is maybe give us some give us some Bible passages to meditate on, and um, maybe some um, maybe more contemporary authors. And I know you guys are always you guys are always so good with the books, man. Awesome. So. Yes. Let's Great question. Some- and I'm going to make a promise right now. I'm going to do that before today is over. If you are on Discord, uh, we'll also post in Facebook as well, if that's a way that you follow us. But uh, in our Discord online server for our community, and then also on Facebook, we'll post some book recs uh, that are getting at the kind of theology that we're talking about this morning. And then again, we're going to continue. So this won't be the last time uh, that you get to hear about these things. Um, and then I, I really want to read, this isn't a question, but I just want to read something um, really lovely that um, Ed Wang just posted, which I just think is lovely. Um, uh, so thank you, Ed, for sharing. Um, he says, um, I've always loved Easter, not all because of Jesus's resurrection. Uh, sorry, I scrolled. Ah, this comment box is like a nightmare. <laughs> now. Come on. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've always loved Easter. Not all because of Jesus' resurrection, but because of the resurrection that is all around us. Lives who have been down or that have been made mistakes in the past, but had the strength to turn their lives around. That to me is just as miraculous. I've made mistakes. We all know how it feels to be Saul. And that's the resurrection I personally love celebrating on Easter. And that just feels really relevant given this does feel like a spring, like awakening, I think for a lot of us with, you know, vaccines and the world opening up and all of that. So, um, and we got more, more comments pouring in. Oh man. Awesome. Awesome. Keep it coming. Yeah. Um, uh, um, maybe this is hope. Um, I guess something I struggle with coming from my background of the Bible and everything in it is literally true is yes. Mm. Yes. That's Randall too. Um, is the idea of, okay, the Bible saying this is actually human error, but then does that unravel the whole thing? Are we just making it up based on whatever we want or whatever interpretation we like? Does that oh, make sense? Oh, what a wonderful question. Hope, that's a great question. Uh, I'm going to ask Kyle and Haley to make sure that they flag that one. That's a really important, we want to address that. They're, yeah, are we all... just, are we crafting our own wishful Yeah. Sort of, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. I mean, that's so, that's so dead on. So here's what I want. Here's what I want to uh, forecast because uh, we, we won't get into all of this today, but what I want to say is that folks, there are satisfying answers to those questions. 
and and there it, we do not just have to say like, oh, it's a mystery and you just trust it. There are satisfying answers to these questions. They are out there. And uh, I look forward to being a, a space that we can talk about these things. And I look forward to being a space where we can feel like there are more stories like Ed is bringing us to. What? Thank you for reading that, Jen and Ed, for sharing that. Um, I just feel like that is a great place for us to be in a space of prayer this morning. What are we celebrating this morning? That resurrection is all around us. That the resurrection that we see, that we are celebrating in the life of Jesus is exactly the sort of thing that should spread, exactly the sort of the sort of thing that should be seen all around us and in so many ways. And if we are bogged down by these, just this, oh, this, this, this poking worry of like, oh, but that's great. But what about that other side of God? We will never be free to see those things fully, but God's desire is for us to see those things fully. So let me pray for us in this place. And I really look forward to continuing this discussion as we move forward in uh, May. To, in what, what month is it? April together. <laughs> Let me pray. <clears throat> Jesus, I consider it such a gift, such a gift to talk about the all-loving God. I consider it such a gift to have a space to engage these questions that are on our hearts. I consider it such a gift to push against this conventional thing that even sounds right in a lot of ways, but that torments so much of us. What a gift to push against messages that torment people. What a gift to do that that you are doing that, God. You are doing that in, the, in what you did on Good Friday and in what you did on Easter Sunday, showing us the power of resurrection. You are pushing against ugly, hurtful, pain-passing theology that just makes us feel so rotten and angry and hurt that we pass the rotten and angry and hurt to the next person, that we pass the hate to the next person, that we do so to those who don't look like us, to those who don't love like us, because that's the easy thing to do. But you put an end to that and you show us how to continue to put an end to that in our own lives, in our own worlds. And we want to follow you in that. And we want to be freed from the lingering worries that make us feel like, oh, there's good here, but there's also that ugly side. We want to be freed from that. So allow us to open up, allow us to, to be vulnerable, to ask the questions we need to, and allow us to entertain beliefs in you that satisfy our hearts, that don't leave us feel like we're following a split personality God, but that leave us following a consistent God who is all loving. We pray that you would guide us into that this morning on Easter Sunday as we need you for the challenges we are facing. And we pray that you would guide us into that this entire month as a community, as we engage more about these questions of grace. Is it really grace or does it demand some sort of punishment compensation? No, it's really grace. Allow us to pursue that. Allow us to fully sink our teeth into that and get all we can out of it. In Jesus' name, who showed us all of this. Amen. <laughs>